0: It's
1: Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, it's Rusty with the mouthful of food because I can't time stuff very well. So, make sure that's in there. Uh, Thank you, everybody, so much for being here at the Public Access Podcast, the podcast here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, (QGEBM). I'm host, Rusty Diamond. Today, I am doing my second podcast. I already did one today. Go back and listen to that. Watch it. Whatever you want to do. I don't care. But I'm bringing back guests. These are two guests that have been on before, separately. Both had something to talk about. Separately, able to come together because of the podcast. So, um, I wanted to say, you guys can also call in and chime in and talk about it sometime. 503-974-6420. Give me a call. Leave a message or don't leave a message. Just think, huh? Messages?
0: Uh. Messages? We don't need no thinking messages.
1: But I need messages. 503 974 6420. And you guys, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being here. And I'll bring up my guests, my special guests. Two of them we have Desiree Parker and the accidental journalist, Jack. W Gregory one and two. And we have a we have a full house today. So thank you everyone. Thank you for being here. Jesse, Jack, thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you for having us.
3: Yeah, it's good to be here. I've been trying to
1: to, trying to chew, but I'm not doing a good job of trying to chew and, (laughs) and eat. And you know, I yeah. I didn't give myself enough time to do what I wanted to do. But that's what happens in podcasting. You end up going and going and I'm happy it went that way rather than being done in 15 minutes and uh, <laughs> totally okay. understand.
2: Now, I've scheduled guests for my podcast before and then I end up letting my food get cold while I'm like, uh, I gotta jump on here now. <laughs> yeah. Like, just,
1: oh, we'll get maybe back it'll to be that. Good here a little bit, like ah. Uh, <laughs> Um yeah. Yeah, but you two both have been on here. I think what you were saying, Desiree, was it was back in June ish.
2: Yes. Somewhere in there. Yeah.
1: Usually, yeah, like going three months until mm-hmm. I bring people back. But yeah, I'm I'm happy. And you know, yeah. It's not everyone yeah. that gets brought back. There's definitely some yeah, people I think- that do
2: I think Jack and I were on around the same time because I think I saw his episode um shortly after mine and then made some comments on it. Um and I think that's kind of how we connected.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, it worked
2: out pretty well. I'm happy it did. And
1: uh and that yeah, that we can get get into some deeper dives here of of what's what's going on in the in the world and from you know, two different places in the world. get but you know, same. Uh, not same. I mean, so similar, similar stories of. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, I guess we just get into it. So, do is that how we do it? We just go right in and uh, jump in. Jump in. Absolutely. So, so in in common then you two I guess I guess let's start with the commonalities so the commonalities between you two would be what would you say how would you?
2: It seems to me that we, we both have um, a common I don't know if it's call it interest but <laughs> we both worked in um, the the uh, the trafficking um sphere. We, you know, we've both worked in the anti-trafficking sphere, um, for quite a while now. Um, which is um, yeah, which is definitely something we have in common. Um, you know, dealing with mental health and addiction and, and uh, uh, the crime aspect and all of that that goes along with um, human trafficking. So I know that's a big, um, a big common. Uh, background
3: yeah I I think um survivorship um if that's what it's called um you know survival survivorship survivorhood whatever you choose to call it um is a wide wide subject it's a wide berth um and you know people fit it you know here and there um Whereas I'm on the, you know, survivor and campaigner. So, you know, this is why I wanted to do this because I saw uh, Desire's um, podcast and I immediately thought, you know, let's let's do this, Let, let's facilitate this because it's a, the subjects that we need to be talking about and um, not many people are and when they are, it's only things like Sound of Freedom, um, and um, the name calling that's going on there. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that uh, tonight we should possibly dispel some of those myths.
2: I think that's a good point. <laughs> and yeah. you're definitely not seeing um, uh, men in, in the survivor sphere. Um speaking out and talking about it um that's an issue that just gets almost shoved down (laughs) um instead of instead of um elevated and it really needs to be um elevated why do you think that is oh i'm sorry
3: well that's all right i get a lot of um negative comments because i get a lot of positive comments you know um, I never thought I'd say I'd have fans, but I, you know, I have fans and followers, and I get a lot of um, positive comments about, um, you know, it's great that you're a guy and that you're standing up for this. But I've had a lot of negative comments too, um, and some from survivors as well, um, telling mm-hmm. me that um, I can't talk about things like uh, rape and uh, abuse and things like that because I'm a man and I couldn't possibly know about anything like that you know, and, uh, even if um, it was it would only be a sexual abuse, it would never be rape because a man can never know rape. And these are these myths that people, I, I, I guess, catapult out there just to try and discredit people mm-hmm. like myself. Um, that are open and honest enough to um, Speak about what it's actually like being uh, not just a survivor but being on sort of both ends of the um both ends of the rift, and it gets quite difficult, it's, it's really quite tiring. I, I wrote a book, I've been attacked in the supermarket, um, mm-hmm. I've been banned from social media, um, for purveying uh, what people say, purveying pornography. Um, this is what well, Facebook have picked up on, and I've had, had chats with Meta, and I've had chats with um, other people about these conversations like this need to be facilitated more. You know, um, I hold my hat up to you, uh, Rusty, because not many people mm-hmm. um, would facilitate this. Um mm-hmm purely because of the heat that comes with it. I, I know that it, it goes uh, the same for women as well. Um, but I, you know, I can only speak about what I know from the survivors um, that I've spoken to. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not a woman. I can only speak about, you know, uh, the, the survivor of, of, of a man, but hopefully, you know, you can, um, Shine a little
2: light on that for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if I can um, yeah, put this it, on I mean, YouTube. Yeah, but what
1: I don't know if I can put this on YouTube, which is fucked up in all kinds of ways because of this. But so this might be a you know, Rumble slash podcast exclusive because, like what you're saying, it's something that can be taken as you know, a pornographic, or you know, um, or you know sexual and can't, you know, be differentiated between, you know, what it is and whatever, you know, Facebook's trying to cover up and just becomes all encapsulated in in one blanket here of this. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm on strike two and a half, four or five times with YouTube. So, I mean, like having something like this on YouTube would get most likely get me shut down but it's not something that I want to pass on talking
2: about. And really though, when um, women are elevate, you know, are put in a position to speak about this kind of thing um, more and more. So we do see women speaking out about the things that have happened um, and the exploitation that's taken place and, um, you know, survivors of rape and things like that. And um, while absolutely. There's always going to be the, um, you know, the, the jerks out there that put you know that are victim blaming and you know all that kind of stuff that 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 happens um but it it doesn't get the same kind of labeling put on it you don't see it being like oh well this is excellent you know this is porn this is you're talking about something that's um you know taboo that it it doesn't get the same kind of um backlash that it does when it's a male survivor um there's just something that society will does not like pushes back on um, when it comes to the idea of of a man being victimized in this way. They don't that they don't want to quite accept it, um, and it's a shame. It, it's it's a shame because it absolutely happens. It absolutely happens.
3: It does. And many men. This is why yeah. men don't stand up. Exactly, and. uh, You know. um,
1: Can you get a little closer, Jack, to the mic? Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, Anybody that's under the sort of survivor term, um, they, a lot of people won't um, touch it because of the fear of the ridicule. I mean, you know, it's not just Facebook. There are words that no, I, I. far from wanting to cause, cause offence, but there are words that women can use on social media uh, and on things like TikTok and things like that, like, uh, uh, you know, abuse uh, and uh, rape and all these other, but, you know, and they're less likely to be censored. Mm-hmm. A guy like me does it, a 17-stone, hairy ass guy um, talking about these feelings is going to get shut down. And I've, I've been shut down several times because of these words.
2: Yep. And it's, it's so often it starts young, you know, so we see it happen to, you know, I worked in child welfare and, and it happens to these, these boys um, who won't say anything, you know, it's, it takes, even when when a, a male will disclose I mean it often takes years and years before they will before they'll disclose um and um it there's so much shame around it I mean they're just so ashamed um of telling anybody that it that it even happened um so it will take them forever to do it and then they don't want people to know um I was at a trafficking trial that took place here in Houston a few years back. Um, and it was an international, you know, case, but it was a man who had abused boys, teenage boys. And the, the young men or well, they were grown men now, but had come back to testify. I mean, they didn't want anybody knowing that they were doing it. Um, there was, especially there was one young man who was in the military. Um, and he, nobody knew, nobody knew he had come back to do this. Nobody. Um, because he was terrified that somebody in his unit, um, would find out you know that he was testifying in 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 this trafficking case that some that that this had happened to him um he was so scared that people would find out that something like this would happen to them and he would face reprisal um even though it wasn't his fault i mean he was a kid you know but um the very idea you know that um he had been victimized and now he is in this very masculine obviously environment um you know he knew that, that, that there would be backlash against him
3: yeah this is a conversation that i had with a lady at church on sunday actually i'm very open about what i do in my church are very much behind um the speaking that i do um because it's important um And I think the common factor is that there is that guilt. You use words like guilt uh, and shame. And these are these things that we carry our whole lives. You know, Um, my abuse started when I was 12, I guess. Mm -hmm. And didn't finish until I was an adult, to be honest. Mm -hmm. fully open and honest it didn't finish until i was an adult because i was scared of these people and these people were young you know these people were social workers and teachers and um, it was a power
2: dynamic the power structure you know they had they had um they had established a dynamic where they had authority
3: over you they they did they did Mm -hmm. um i i carried that for a, a, a long time Well I always say that, you know, because I'm an addict, drugs were never my problem, they were my solution. Yes. Um, They were the way that I could kind of get out of my mind for however long um, and think and focus on something else. Anything else rather than that, Mm -hmm. and even when I got sober uh, and started to work with my trauma, you know, I got sober in twenty fourteen, started Mm -hmm. working with my trauma late twenty fifteen after hospital. Um, and I've made films, um, you know, improvised films based based around. You know, I made a series called Asylum, which is uh, basically one person in a chair. Um, They're told that mental illness is um, illegal, Um, they're told that trauma is illegal, and all this. Um, And you create a character there and then. And a lot of the characters that I played, I put a lot of myself in, and I masked it with fiction. And that's how I started to learn to start talking about my story. And it's only in 2016 when I wrote um, A Personal Apocalypse, um, talking about, you know, what happened to me in hospital and how I went to hell and then uh, saw my whole life played before me uh, and how I sort of dealt with that mentally by believing I'd caused the apocalypse. Um, and the darkness that then ensued. Um, and it was also based around the poetry that I'd written in my life, around sort of some of that, uh, some of the people that I'd lost to that. Um, it's only then that I started looking at actually opening myself up. So when I wrote Between the Streetlights and started talking to other survivors. I didn't realise that I was trafficked. I thought it was just plain abuse passed around from adult to adult. I didn't know it was trafficking.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know? And yeah. um, I talk, talk to these people and I'm like, damn. That's me. Yeah. That's me. That, that's me. And that's when I started realising what happened. Um, and started putting these things together um, and then started talking about them with um, people that I trust within my church network. Uh, I started working with them. I started working with trauma. Uh, And then when I started podcasting, I decided that actually, because I used to be a dishonest guy, Mm -hmm. um, now I'm going to be the most honest guy I can be in recovery. Um, and if Mm -hmm. that means offending a few people that means offending a few people by telling how the way it is and not straying away from words like abuse and rape and sexual assault because you know you hear blokes talking about them and they censor themselves and they drop their voices and they you know they they move their lips and they, they mouth it, they don't say it you know, mm-hmm. Nothing about these things are normal. These shouldn't mm-hmm. be happening, especially in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to be having open conversations about this. It's something I'm really passionate about. Telling mm-hmm. the story. You know, I, 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 get, I still get attacked for it. I still get trolled for it. Because I don't censor myself. I don't censor myself in my writing. And I tell it how it is and people buy the book they read it they're shocked and they go oh this is just obscene well that's yeah yes
2: it's obscene what happened to you that's what's obscene and that's what blows me away is when people are offended by these things and i'm like no what you should be offended by is that this happened you should be offended by the person you know the actions um, of what is what is happening of what is being allowed to go on and the fact that people aren't being prosecuted more for it that that it's being covered up by family members and by churches and by other you know all of these it, it's it's being allowed to continue you know that's what you should be upset by
3: exactly exactly we live in a time you know where people get offended by everything
1: mm-hmm
3: and I mean everything, and I don't like using I don't like using words like Karen or Snowflake. I think they're as toxic as each other. But that people get offended by everything,
1: um, mm-hmm.
3: and there's me thinking you're getting offended because somebody has called you a word, and okay, that's not. Great. Yeah. But you have the power to then bring in a retort because that's freedom of speech. You have freedom of speech. F- with freedom of speech, becomes freedom of reply. Um, and there are people getting offended and offended and offended over all sorts of different things. There are people get offended for other people. Yes. And here's me sitting there thinking, 40 point three million. That's how many people are still in trafficked. 40 point three million.
1: you ever offensive. hear about that. When do you hear that figure anywhere? You decides here yeah. on the podcast
2: right now. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you are in that work. That's
3: yeah. what offends me. That's yeah. what offends me. People getting offended by little things. And okay, sometimes there are things there that cause people to take offence. However, I take offence at injustice. You know, I'm a survivor. I'm a campaigner. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, today uh, is UK's... um, Remembrance of um, lost murder. Mm. Ah. I've, we I've,
1: yeah, we don't have that. <laughs>
3: no, I can't count on both of these hands how many per- people personally I've lost to murder and violence.
2: Mm. And I'm just, yeah,
3: you know, I, I lost my niece two-day-old niece to murder and violence. Um, mm. The man that did it was murdered in his cell less than a year later um, taking away our ability to have these questions answered. That's what I take offence to. I take offence to these um, young men and young women that are going on holiday that are being um, kidnapped and trafficked and drugged. I take offence to uh, the girls on the streets of our cities and our, our, our towns. Um, the houses of, what, what you choose to call, brothels or houses of ill repute, whatever you choose to call mm-hmm. them. Are popping yeah. up everywhere. Crack houses on pretty much every corner. That's yeah. what I take offence to. That's a real injustice. Yeah. You know? um, and that's what really upsets me. Uh, the, the fact that Britain, I don't know how it is in America, but Britain isn't great for prosecuting, um, It not great for prosecuting sexual offenders.
2: No, we're not either. <laughs> now, no. the, um, the, Victims get locked up all the time. <laughs> I hate to say. You know, um, they get arrested pretty regularly.
3: Yeah, uh, it's a response.
2: Yeah. But, uh, but oh. no, the actual offenders, no.
3: Exactly, because you know, they, they spend their time pulling up the girls that are working on the street. Um... You know, and pulling the the, the, the Johns that are trying to find them, and so no, they don't even do
2: much with them here.
3: No, no. Where where I live um, near Norwich in, in the in the UK, where we're very blessed to have a thing called the Magdalene Trust, um, mm-hmm. and they help get young people uh, young. Uh, sex workers uh, off the street into mm-hmm. proper work
0: mm-hmm.
3: lives. This is what we need, and it shouldn't be down to charities.
2: But that's who does it all. That's I mean, I've I've worked in the Houston anti-trafficking, you know, field for like 15 years, and I've worked all for all for nonprofits. Um, you know, because we do we have a lot of great programs here in Houston um, that do this work. You know, but it's all uh almost exclusively nonprofit work. Um so it relies on, you know, donation and grant funding and all of that kind of stuff. Um and it's not always sustainable, you know, so um the help isn't as available as it could be if it were um part of a you know part of a regular civil, you know, action. I mean if it was part of the the services available. Um, all the time, you know, and um, that makes it really difficult, that makes it really difficult, you know.
3: It is, Um, and people it, it, it really does, it breaks my heart because people really there are people that don't want to listen, there are people that would like to listen, but get
2: triggered
3: mm-hmm. um and i understand these trigger processes i used to get triggered a lot you know when i first got sober i got triggered Trust. everything you know Trust. i've had to learn that um we're going to get triggered this is a natural response this is a natural response for people that don't get triggered they get triggered because it's a natural fight or fight response It's, it's what happens absolutely now that shouldn't deviate from the fact that we need um people to be housing this and unfortunately it's down to uh, small minorities of people like ourselves that are willing to at least facilitate uh, and open this conversation um, to talk about actually what it's like from every side of the argument. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've interviewed traffickers. Yes. Um, one of my dearest friends, worked for the soho mafia before he found christ he worked for the soho mafia trafficking girls
2: mm-hmm.
3: john lawson
2: yeah i had a man that. earlier on my podcast earlier this season who was a trafficker at one point now he does amazing work um on drugry and gangs and all this kind of stuff just amazing work
1: yeah. Is it good to have someone in there that has that background? So sort of like, uh, like um, Silence of the Lambs with Hannibal Lecter. How like you know, you find someone who knows like all the ins and outs of how to do all this, this shit, and then is able to kind of be like, hey, watch he, out for this.
2: He's incredibly insightful. He wrote a book on it too, um, and it's it adds a perspective to the movement that just wasn't previously there, really. <laughs> Um, because it's 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 a it's someone that um, is demonized for the most part you know by by the anti-trafficking movement someone that everybody stays away from you know the trafficker he's the villain Um, so when somebody has completely changed their life but they still they understand how that person became a trafficker you know they understand the mentality they understand um, that Honestly, a lot of the same things that drive a woman into trafficking drives a man to become a trafficker. Um, they are very broken people too, quite honestly. Um, but um, it's just a different it's just a different spin on um, on drama, quite honestly. So um, yeah, he's been extremely effective at what he does.
3: Yeah, I get that. I get. I get that. You know, I'm an ex villain.
2: Um... Yeah. You take you know, what you know I, and look, use it for good.
3: Yeah, I know that mentality. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was my circumstances that, that drove me into that. It was my circumstances that drove me into violence into uh, violent behavior that became addictive as well. Mm-hmm. You know, violent behavior is addictive because um, it is kind of power. Um, mm-hmm. You hold the power to beat someone up. I get it. I get it, which is why I to, Which is why I spoke to John Lawson, um, you know, and he's a fantastic man of Christ. Now, uh, you, you know, if I a wicked man is 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 the name of the book, and um, it's just it's insightful. Um, and I've spoken to people like him. Um, I've spoken to people like myself, and it's all. It's two underground. When Sound of Freedom came out, I, I dared to find a little hope. And then the shit show started where people started um, calling, like, you know, when I started supporting it, I was caught, you know, accused of being QAnon. I haven't got a clue what QAnon is. You know, I haven't got a clue. I I, I don't know. Um, right. And you know, I did a podcast a, few, a couple of months ago with a a lady that was trafficked, um, and she got cu- accused of being part of QAnon. And she's American and she hasn't she hasn't even got a clue what it is. I'm not entirely sure, quite honestly. <laughs> oh, um, it's, it's, we, it, all these. A- Sorry.
1: I was going to say it's impressive that fucking people are able to weaponize this as to some sort of political thing. Like, if you think that this is real, you're some, you know, you're this extremist uh, right? And like, it's brilliantly fucking evil that, yeah. that they have able to weaponize that and make it into a thing that you can be like, oh, if you believe that trafficking happens, you're just some fucking niece, conspiracy yeah. nut. Yeah, you're yeah. you're you're stupid. And That's um ridiculous. Yeah, that they've they've made that happen and it's worked pretty well. I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm you know stupid in so many words for believing that any of it's happening or, you know, showing showing proof that this is happening. And I don't know if people I just don't want to I don't know if they don't want to know it, or if they just think that it's not happening, or or what. It's,
3: it's very easy to discredit someone as a being a nut job. It's it's mm-hmm. easier to call someone a nut job and a conspiracy theorist and this and that than it is to actually say actually this person is speaking their truth. My truth might not exactly be everybody else's truth, but it's my truth. Your truth is your truth, and your truth is your truth. Mm-hmm. We all share that. Um, the thing is that it's not just the, the, the right that are being attacked, it's the left as well. And it's, it's, it's this mass confusion about you know, you've, you, you've got the left weaponizing speech, and you've got the right weaponizing speech, and you've got this faction here, and you've got this faction here, and then you've got Joe Bloggs in the middle who's getting it in one ear and getting it in the other. And he didn't know what to think, and that's the average Facebook um, member. That's the average yeah. social media person. You know, not everybody's into conspiracy theories, but they're getting them left and right. So yeah. it's 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 there to cause confusion, to then deviate from the point. Yeah, you, you know. Um, And they set, you you know, Jim Caviezel, is it Jim Caviezel? Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Yes.
3: You know, they they attack him for his beliefs and they attack Mel Gibson and they, you know, all these people that are trying to highlight. um, And it's ruining the careers.
2: Yeah, it is.
3: Um... I haven't got a career to ruin, not really. I've got 2,100 followers that's about it right, that's all I can boast if one person listens to this and thinks that guy is speaking some sense I'm going to look into it a bit more Google is your friend Google is your friend I will say that Uh, but if somebody looks at it and thinks that guy's an absolute nut job, that's fine too because it makes me smile because I don't mind people thinking I'm a nut job anymore I used yeah. to I, I, I used to let it really get to me. I used to think, I'm trying to educate you on this and that and this and that. And you're calling me a nut job. And it used you know, it used to offend me. <laughs> but then I came to this thing, it's mind over matter if I don't mind.
0: It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, as long as you're doing what you feel like needs to be done, and you're doing what um, you know is important, and like you said, you're telling you know your truth um, about something that's really important and that what and something that needs to be told, um, then you know the opinions of I hate to say idiots (laughs) doesn't really matter.
3: No, it, it it doesn't. You know, there are people out there with worse scars than me. There are people out there with worse scars than you.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, there are people out there that have stories that want to get them out there. And there are people out there that d- don't have a voice.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
3: my mission from day one when I first started podcasting, which I never planned to do. That's how I became an <coughs> next journalist. I to be united, yep. that was it. Um, mm-hmm. but you know I wanted to be I, I was told by people from my church that that they were bringing me words of knowledge and, and words of wisdom. I, I don't know if you have faith but yes mm-hmm, you know yes. they were bringing me words of knowledge and words of prophecy and things like this and this is five years ago, five, six years ago telling me people didn't even know me. I'm part of this thing called the school of supernatural life, which is um, uh, teaching people how to be comfortable with God and uh, how God is so supernaturally natural, but naturally supernatural, mm-hmm. uh, taking all of these gifts um, and, and, and you know, doing for him. And I had people saying, you're going to be the voice for the voiceless. You know, he's going to take you in a direction that you never thought you'd be, that you never thought you'd go. You know, uh, and while most people in the school holidays this year, uh, the six-week holidays, summer holidays,
0: mm-hmm.
3: when people are off with their kids doing whatever, you know, my I have kids that come and go and mm-hmm. they want to do their own thing. Some of them are old enough to go and do their own thing now and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I I qualified as a journalist. Now this is a man that um, didn't learn to read or write until he was 21. This is a man that took all of his pain, all of the abuse, took it inside, tried to be other people, lied to a lot of people, lied to himself because he didn't know who he was, had this massive identity crisis. and i've written three books dyslexic as hell and i've written three books um and you can't tell me that's not the supernatural And people go yeah but jack you're a christian how can you think god would allow this allow to happen what happened to you allow these people to do what they did to you a lot of them without repercussion. How can you think that and still be a Christian? And all I know is that, well, he does. He, he allows it. I don't that's, know why.
2: Yeah. That's, yeah, I was going to say that's beyond, that's that's above my pay grade.
1: <laughs> I mean, you, you won't be able to tell this story. You won't be able to help out other people who need your help, who could maybe yeah. pop in and listen to this and like, oh, shit. Okay, well, that just changed my life hearing that. You wouldn't have had that. You would have just been some fucking dude. Hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 Real easy.
3: It's like, uh-huh. um, I wanted to talk about trigger points, actually, um, and recognizing them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Because I came across a video not so long since on. Um, uh tiktok uh, and it was a, a woman talking about um towels uh, and how uh, they, they, you know they work with a trafficking um anti trafficking campaign and they get girl, girls and, and 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 you know they give them a home and stuff like this and the way that they folded the towels and put them out in in, in the bathroom was a trigger point. Now, I didn't realize, but I I, I guess the only real trigger point for me is stationary cupboards or equipment cupboards. Um, And I actually pulled myself upon it a a couple of weeks ago, because I, I, you know, I'm part of teams at church and i regularly have to go into the equipment cupboard to get video equipment out because I do a lot of the video you know, video work on that. And I realised I walk in with my fists clenched and I realise that I check all around um, and always make sure that I'm facing the door when I can. If I have to look round, I'll whip my head back round towards the door. And I didn't think this was a um, this was anything to, to think about, but I guess it's because a lot of the early abuse happened in stationary cupboards at school.
2: Yeah, that makes
0: sense.
3: And I wanna tell the you know the, the, the guys and girls out there that you know it's not normal for a teacher to follow you into one of them cupboards. You know, in fact, this day and age, you shouldn't be doing that. And the teacher should be doing it. It was normal back in, in, in the 80s and 90s, especially in Britain, for kids to go in the um, those cupboards and, and get the stationery out. It made you feel like a big man, you know. Um, you know, it made you feel useful. But I guess it's a. A lot of people don't think about that, and we have several Mm. cupboards in that church. Um, and I found myself recently just like measuring them up, You, you know, visually measuring them up, and look, I know exactly where all the um exits are. And I don't know about you, you know. I know some of your, you know, some of your background. But when I walk into a room, I'll measure up people, and I don't do it intentionally. It used to be intentional. Um, I'll measure people up, and I'll, I'll I will work out which of them I can fight, and I will work out these scenarios in my head on how to get to each thing, and if I go. There and this person then jumps in. Then I'm going to do this and I have to do that, and then I can get around there and do that. That's not normal behaviour. I didn't realise that that wasn't normal behaviour. Mm-hmm. I I would when I used to go, even when I go out for a meal with my family. And sometimes you know I don't frequent pubs very often because I don't drink, but mm-hmm. I have to be in a certain place. I have to have my back. To a wall, I have to be able to see in a certain one hundred and eighty. No, that's not normal, is it? Or is it? I don't know. Is is it normal?
1: I didn't realize I that until recently Sorry. when I with people, and it's like, oh, I only sit this way, and yeah, it was. I mean, I'm very unorthodox with a lot of things I do, but um, yeah, it wouldn't have been something I would have thought of and but yeah I mean out of necessity I and mean, I could yeah I totally understand that and why that would be you know uh fight or flight response
2: just mm-hmm. uh not even knowing yeah so, having to be aware of everything around you um you know and it does it just it comes from being in those situations where you needed to know. I mean, it's a necessity thing, you know, it can remain in, in circumstances where I need to know how I can survive this, you know, am I going to need to, do I need to run? Do I need to be able to get free from this person is, um, you know, is hiding my option is, um, you know, any number of things. I mean, I've seen so many different triggers and so many different responses to, um, I think I had a, um, a, a young woman in one of my programs who, um, you know, and we, 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 I still don't know what triggered her, but she, um, we were, they were in a a clothing store and, um, she just all of a sudden was gone. Um, and it took them an hour to find her. She was hiding in one of the racks, um, the clothing racks. And, um, it, I mean, she, her, her story was just horrific. I mean, she'd been abused from infancy practically, um, in family and trafficked her entire life but um and something had had triggered her and she had to hide um and it was a skill she used as a child you know from from very young to to hide to 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 try and get away from you know at all if at all possible her parents her you know whoever um was in the situation but you know these triggers can can spark these just unusual just incredibly unusual behaviors um, that seem completely normal you know to us because we've always done them and we needed to <laughs> you know it was part of our survival it was part of you know uh, staying safe at least in a even if it's it, it, even if it doesn't seem to make sense like in a child's mind maybe that was how we stayed safe you know
3: yeah I, I guess as survivors, there's something quite childlike about we retain that, mm-hmm. we, you know, um, I have a childlike awe about words and books and film. Um, and I, I guess it's because I could never, um Focus on that when I was younger. No. Uh, but I I do see some things through childish eyes, but then again I see other things through very adult eyes. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's sometimes very confusing. Um because actually, sometimes in a situation, I'll take the you know, the, the st- maybe the stubbornness of, uh, y- you know, uh, and the childish view. And I'll get called mm-hmm. childish because I'm like, I'm not listening. Not, no, I'm mm-hmm. not listening. Um, yeah. Because these are learned behaviours. Mm-hmm. Um. And when things make you uncomfortable, these learned behaviours start to pop up. Yes. And you might think that, you know, you've you've worked on them. And you might think, well, oh, I worked on this trauma. This is, you know.
2: <laughs> There's layers of healing. There's layers.
3: Yeah. So you get yeah.
2: one layer and, and then something will trigger and the, the next layer pops up. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm not of... done. I'm
3: not <laughs> Literally a bag of onions. It's not an onion. It's a mm-hmm. bag of onions. Um, yes. And it's just... She you know, It will yeah. make you great, and uh, it's like you know things that I think we just, as addicts, as survivors, mm-hmm. we, we take on these parts of a personality, um, and we think it's normal. Yes. Um, and I have to check with my wife, you know, sometimes, I'm like. Am I being? Be weird? I, I've been rude. Am I?
0: Am I getting
3: this wrong? I don't read faces very well. Mm. You know, it, when I was in hospital, I ended up with uh, hypoxia through brain damage. Uh, brain damage, mm-hmm. hypoxia. Sorry. Um, so I, I get sometimes. I get, uh, and I'm on the uh, spectrum as well. So I get.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, being neurodivergent, I get face blindness as well sometimes. So unless somebody's like proper laughing or full on sobbing, I don't always know the difference. It all looks to me. Um, And sometimes I have to say, you know, to a friend or someone at church. You know, did I read that wrong? Is is, is did I read that wrong? Did I say some? And I have to check.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And you know, after a conversation, I'll go through that conversation again and again and again and again, thinking, did I, Is that me being me? Is that me being a diva, or you know? did this person take offense to what i said because yeah. i genuinely can't tell yeah. um and it's all been a sort of a learning curve um mm-hmm. neuro neurodivergence tend to overshare yes um, which is why this is great for me um you know i used to be quite shy about talking about feelings um, mm-hmm. Because I didn't know what they were. Because the best thing about getting clean and sober is you get your emotions back. The worst yes. thing about getting clean and sober...
0: <laughs> you it, get your emotions um, back.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's, Absolutely. It's still, you know, though I'm like 46 years old, and 46 and a bit, um I'm still quite childlike in places because I forget that actually this version of Jack is only just over nine years old and it's been an accumulation of the past sort of nine years few few months um of just constantly working at myself and, and, and doing things like this to raise confidence. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
3: Even just speaking now, this used to cause me anxiety like no man's business. Um, so when I was told that I should do a podcast um, by uh, a guy that is a, uh, one of the top um, hostage negotiators in this country, who's a, who's a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And our, our careers are kind of parallel because I launched him into his career um, because I was suffering from um, many years ago. I used to sing on the uh, folk circuit and I was suffering from stage fright. So he came to help me through a friend. Um, we had these talks about these ambitions uh, and he decided he wanted to become a hostage negotiator. A few years down the line, I've been married, uh, marriage ended, homelessness. More addiction, you know. uh, Several suicide attempts, and he's like, "You should really do a podcast." I'm like, "Are you absolutely kidding me?" (laughs) You know, i I struggled speaking to my wife, to my kids at times, because when you're told to shut up all the time, and when you're told that you're thick. that die, which I, which I was as a kid, um, because I was dyslexic. There was it wasn't really a thing that was explored in the, in the eighties.
2: Mm-hmm. I
3: was thick. I was stupid. I was this. I was that. I was a liar. Well, when you look at it, the reason why I became a liar was to help hide the truth, literally, of what mm-hmm. was happening to me. So I thought, well, if you know, when I was told I was adopted on my birthday, I was like, okay, so I can be anybody I want. And that led me down a life of dishonesty. Um, so it's no wonder people wouldn't believe me. And th- th- this is why these teachers and these adults and the, you know, they find that little thing saying, you know, yes. you're a known liar, so no one will ever believe you. So yep. why even try? and this is why yeah, kids,
2: vulnerability to exploit
3: yeah uh, and it's, it's, it's why we ended up victims yeah and there are people out there that are still victims
2: oh, yeah.
3: uh, you know my philosophy is there are three steps um, from victim you've got victim and some people will stay victim forever. There will never be anything else but victim. And that's not always their fault. That's down mm-hmm. to circumstance. Um, not being able to find courage or whatever. If you're lucky and you do find the courage, you'll go from victim to survivor. Well, a survivor, that's a lifestyle in itself. Mm-hmm. That's a mode. You go into this survival mode. But what people don't, people think you've got victim and survivor and that's the be-all and end-all, that's the alpha and the omega, and it's not. Because we're made to thrive. Victim, survivor, thriver. Um, and this is people like us that have been victim, survivor, and now are okay. sticking out to be thriver, to help other people. Because I, I couldn't have got to there on my own.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know. I, I I I couldn't have come to that uh, without combined knowledge, without combined wisdom. Oh
2: yeah. Absolutely.
3: Uh, yeah well a lot of it I, I I went to my first AA meeting um at I guess I'm somewhere between 10 and 12. It's a bit hazy. Maybe a little bit later. Um, I do get dates wrong sometimes. Because I was convinced, because I was caught like drinking behind the school bike. Mm -hmm. I guess it might have been 13, 14, actually. But, um, you know, so I, I, I was then taken to a a, a meeting with a, a, a responsible adult um and then my parents were told that i was going to college to learn because the college was right next door to the old hospital which housed the meetings um you know when they would to certificates, Are oh, we learnt to, sh- you know. I genuinely have a certificate on changing a fuse in a plug. I still have it, even for homelessness. I still have it. Riding a fifty cc moped. Answering a private telephone. I <laughs> wasn't allowed to do exams, um, because it was the special school system. Which is why I guess I place so much value on education now, as an adult. Yeah. Um, because it's a learning is a lifelong journey, uh, and I don't think mm-hmm. I'll ever want to stop learning. Um, especially like things like uh, emotional intelligence, um, which is a, a, a lot of what we do now. Um. Uh, yeah and realising that men can talk about vulnerability.
2: Absolutely. I'm Years sure. ago, I would have
3: been called, Whenever I spoke about um, feelings, mm-hmm. the, 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 the toxic men in my life, the adults, they would call me gay or, you know, come where I come from, it's a puff, call you a puff. Um, And when you're going through what you're going through And it's not only You you know you're getting abused by male And female Um, That's very confusing Especially at at, at a young age And I fought with that For a long time And then Because I wanted to speak about feelings um, I wasn't allowed to Because I was That's how people Would shut you up Back in those days, Um, I I guess they would call you other names now, Um, but you know, I don't know. I um, I struggle at times to understand (laughs) society. I guess. Yep,
2: it's crazy.
1: Oh, then to go back, so is there, I mean, does it get international, like does, does the trafficking gets international, like where there would be enough demand for someone to Come from the UK to go to Houston, or from Houston to the UK, or is it both? They're just kind of both flooded, and there's not need for anymore. Or I mean, it's just that's a it's a shitty way to look at it. Um, but I mean, there's the numbers are just so huge and there's, horrific.
2: I mean, people travel and and for trafficking uh, um, absolutely I mean there's there's a whole industry of um, uh, sex tourism that there's websites devoted to put it through. there's books on it um, about where the places are where are the best places to go to buy sex um, that you know people will make whole trips out of it where can they go and buy children um, and people will take um, you know, the uh, the mention. You know, sitting in a federal trafficking case a couple of years ago, the that that person was caught because he had taken um, minors to England. Actually, was um, so a few years ago. He had taken them to the Olympics there when it was when it was held there, like in twenty twelve. Um, and so he had taken them to traffic there. Um, so I mean, yeah, people travel all the time. Um, Which is-
1: yeah, you know, one of those things like with the the in the U.S. like the biggest, you know, time of the year is the Super Bowl, where yeah, most traffic happens. Final
2: Four, but I mean, yeah, large events where Disneyland. They know there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a big demand, especially if there's a lot of tourists coming and going because it's it's a time when people, you know, feel like they can, kind of do whatever they want without consequences, you know, because um, they're going to leave. You know, or they might not have their family with them, or they might, you know, whatever whatever the case may be.
3: Yeah. I, I, I also think that we should. A lot of people, when they talk about trafficking, like I, 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 I speak on a few of these, and a lot of it, you know, I, I have a, I'm very blessed to have a, a fan base in America. Uh, I'm very blessed to have, you know, a lot of my work sells in America that wouldn't sell here um because you have such a bigger survivor network um and we're trying here you know uh, we have a, a national Council of survivors um I've set up a um uh, 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 and well, trying to set up a national council of survivors voices for people like ourselves um because there are People, when you say human trafficking to the average person, what do they think, they think taken. Mm-hmm. They think Liam Neeson, you know, I have a particular set of skills. You know, <laughs> it's, it happens, but it's just that's a small part of it. That's a very small part of it. But that. Seems to be the part that the mainstream media pick. That's the most part, exciting, so that, to speak. You uh, know. Yeah, the, the modern uh, slavery route, modern day slavery route. What pe- a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of it is down to familial circumstances, a lot of it is Absolutely. domestic trafficking. A lot of it is done within family, within family. A lot mm-hmm. of it is done, you know. Some of it is done within churches, um, you know. And I get people going, oh, well, it's the Muslims that do it. Small mm-hmm. part, you know. Mm-hmm. When our media pick up on it, Muslim grooming gangs, they don't pick up on the white men.
2: It's in the child welfare system yeah. like crazy.
3: Exactly. They, they pick up on the minorities that do it because it's more sensationalist. Right? It's easier to pick um, as a white, middle-aged man writing a story about human trafficking. It's easier to pick that minority. It's easier to go for the, you know, the kids that are getting pulled through Budapest, or the kids that are getting moved through um, Lebanon or, you know, wherever. But what people don't realise is it's the kids that are falling through the system, that are in the care system, uh, that, um, you know, that don't have families that have been moved from home to home, um, to people, just because, they can make some of that and it's not for love anymore, it's for money. Uh, what people don't realize is it's it's the young girls and boys from certain families that are being pimped off by their own families. Yeah, again, that's still a small part of that whole thing um, that makes up trafficking but these are things that are not picked up on by, you know, and I guess that's what, sorry if I'm going off on a tangent, but I, I guess that's what upsets me about the films that get made and the documentaries that get made. And it's great that they point out the ones that get trafficked through Europe and the modern day slavery circuit, but they're missing the kids that are in foster homes, they're missing. The kids, adopted, the missing, the kids that are in the care system, that are in governmental. Um, I I don't know what they're called over there. You know, governmental homes Mm -hmm. here. I guess state homes, where you are, a state run. I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't it more likely to be someone that you know, that's going to the driver? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there's always this thing of the, you know, the whatever the person in the the van or something with the candy or but I mean, yes, yeah, usually, you know, most every time it's usually someone that you know. And which yeah. is frightening, but you know, also something that needs to be addressed. It's not some boogeyman who might come out of the, the woodworks as someone that you mm-hmm. probably have it, yep. you know, over for someone dinner. On
2: your someone in your yeah yeah someone in your the the education system or the whatever it is yeah it's absolutely it's it's someone they're gonna come across in their in their network um of people and that is and that is the scary part um but um the reality of something like that i mean um it would make a, a it would make a terrifying movie much more terrifying than something like taken
0: yeah. yeah. yeah, Well,
1: it might be something that needs to happen now. Now that we said it. Yeah. So it's time to make a movie. I'm
0: mm-hmm.
3: trying. I, really I hope am. you do.
1: Please do. Uh,
3: I have this book, Between the Street Lights and Red Lights, which is, you know, working with these people help me <laughs> learn to tell my story. So, this is their stories. Uh, and,. You know, there are people from all over the world. There are people that are pulled into gangs, young people that pulled into gang life, and and sex is a part of that initiation project and the trafficking. Um, and uh, you know, I've spoken to people from. I spoke to someone from Texas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, who uh, was sharing his story about uh, how he was a policeman and he rescued a young boy. Um, I spoke to people from, I spoke to a guy from France who uh, was forced into uh, transvestitism um, and then put into the sex trade.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And these are the stories that are not told. These are the stories that I'm trying to tell. And um, I have people that say, Jack, have you, you know, you got, I've, I've, I've done a few films, you know. Um, worked on a couple of Scorsese-funded films and, and stuff. And that's great. But they say, Jack, you know, when, when what's your next film, what are you going to do? And, and I tell them what I want to do with Between the Streetlights. Uh, And turn it into a film or a series for Netflix. They go, That's that's a great idea, but why not just some, you know, you're more likely to sell fiction to them. Just why don't you write something, you know, write it gritty, but you know, people don't want to hear that. No, they do.
0: Mm -mm.
3: There are people that do. um,
0: Yes.
3: but are scared to and there are people that plainly don't And unfortunately the ones that don't um, will be the ones that really push um, and they unfortunately they can be at times the ones that call themselves your friends mm-hmm. um, even with the negative comments well don't you think you should do something else first and then hoping you forget that you know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm going to turn into a um, an audio book. Um, I'm going to get some people to read for me uh, and turn it into an audio book, audio drama. Um, because it's as much as about my journey as it is theirs. You know, a lot of, I write the notes on the, you know, and all the notes are in there about what hap- how I felt during the interviews and somewhere in. Person to person, somewhere like this, you know. I guess it's before Zoom really took off, with Skype and stuff like that. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
3: But um, we need things like this, and mainstream media may never take it. Yeah, may never take it. Um, And the only chances that we really have are things like Amazon Prime yeah um but then they push back on certain things and then who you're going to get to fund it yes so you go and you do a you do a crowd fund um and then you get people complaining about it so it gets stopped and then you get things like goFundMe that say oh well it should you know it's a good cause, but it's not a cause that we can get behind um, because big businesses are bullied into not speak. You know, there's a lot of big businesses that won't speak about it, that want to just push it away. But there are, I, I guess, there are businesses out there that would like to highlight it, but they come across this conspiracy narrative that is flooding everything. If you're talking about trafficking, you're a conspiracy theorist. If you're talking about kids that have been kidnapped, you're a conspiracy theorist. If you're talking about, you know, um, murders that are happening all around the world, you're a conspiracy theorist. Um, And it all gets put in to try and discredit you. and then you've got things like Meta that then go the one further, and they get these fact checkers in there, and they paint their narrative. And then you have the mainstream media that paint their narrative. And if you're going against their narrative, and you're going on your narrative, then you shut down. Um, who am I but a, a guy called Jack? You know, I I, I haven't really got any. Too rare to shut down. You know, they could shut me down tomorrow. You know, just by um, cutting my internet. You know, um, <laughs> I'm just yeah. some guy in his shed. This is my garden shed. You know, this is this is my little home from home. Um, who am I but one person? But when. How are other people going to speak unless they hear one person mm-hmm. and they hear you and your story and they hear you and you know you giving people a chance to voice and and, and it on and it's like you know thank God for the internet but
1: yeah
3: um they could shut me down tomorrow without much fuss I I, I don't doubt that. Um, and I am blessed for every word that I can say. Um, but it, just, it saddens me that people like yourself get discredited on, on, on the fact that there are people that are so averse to hearing the truth, they would mm-hmm. rather pay a lie. Yeah. It's happening in the schools. It's happening, you know, people call me conspiracy. Whatever. It's happening in schools. It's happening in play groups. It's happening in friendship groups. And people are just afraid to say what they think anymore because they might get cancelled.
1: Until that happens, where can, uh, where can everyone find uh, either of you on the internet before? Uh... We all get scrubbed uh, <laughs> off, off the internet here.
2: Yeah. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, uh, I, my website has all of my stuff, my podcast, my uh, um, ways to contact me for coaching or consulting, um, trauma recovery work. At, uh, my website is just empower-together.com. It's got all the stuff on
0: it.
3: Um, mine is simply Um and everything that I do, all, all of these go on the front page, all the interviews that I do go on the front page as part of a blog post. Um, you can find my uh, uh, podcast on there under Live and Undrugged. You can find me on Spotify um, under Live and Undrugged. My books. Links are on there. Um, they can be found also on Amazon under Jack W Gregory. Um, I'm not hard to find. Like I said, Google is your friend. Um, yeah.
2: absolutely. Yeah. Thank
1: you too so much for being on and getting to talk about this. And um, you know, it's not so easy to talk about, it and it's good to talk about it, and not just believe it doesn't exist and it's just some wackos talking about um, <laughs> something <laughs> but you know, yeah we're, we're putting it into reality so um, it's been in reality but showing people that it is reality and it's something that needs a much deeper dive into looking into it and yeah I hope this gets to shed some light so um, both of you guys thank you so much really appreciate having you on and yeah Absolutely. Um, thank you Thanks for allowing long yeah. talk well we'll have to do another one somewhere down the line and uh, do this again and never hurts to get some more information so yeah thank you both very much thank you you're welcome all right okay you guys thank you so much everyone for being here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. Q-G-B-N. And, you know, I'm your host, Rusty Diamond, the host with the most, like fucking Beetlejuice uh, or something. You know, might not be the one with the most. I'm still Rusty. So thank you guys, everyone, so much for listening here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. And that is the show. Man
0: boom.
1: It's rusty diamond motherfucker. Ernest!
0: Ernest!
1: Ernest! (coughs) Yes, Pee Wee. You brought the snacks, right?